You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. The return we've all been waiting for is finally here. One of sport's most notorious icons is stepping into the octagon this Saturday. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a free shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is really easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about football playoffs where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the weekend. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum of $5 deposit, eligibility restrictions apply, and see DraftKings. DraftKings.com for details. It's All right, everyone, and welcome to episode one, the maiden voyage episode of the Rig Rats podcast, an Oilers podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have a pretty exciting show here for you. Uh, I'm joined by uh, a good friend of mine and, uh, you know, fellow hockey enthusiast, uh, Kyle. Say hi, Kyle. Hi, folks. How are you? Uh, Kyle is going to be uh, here for the majority of the podcasts here for this season. So I guess, uh, Kyle, uh, what are your first thoughts right off the bat about about the Edmonton Oilers? How are you? How are, what do you what are you feeling on the Edmonton Oilers? Just uh, just the franchise. All right. We'll not talk about the team yet. I'm just talking about the franchise of the Edmonton Oilers because I am a diehard Oilers fan. You are a little bit, you know, a few Oilers fan uh, fandom removed, but. You know, we, we still appreciate the support. So how are you feeling? Like, like what's your thoughts on the, the Oilers? Yeah, so like you said, you, you yourself, diehard fan. And I've been around you a while, so. It rubs off a, a little pad. bit, yeah. It's not, you know, it's, uh, they're good. They're good in my eyes. You know, always, always like uh, there, you know, it's like, it's like, oh, okay, we'll go for the Oilers. A sure. storied past. I mean, uh, you know, potentially the, yeah. or the greatest player to ever play the game of hockey. I mean, five Stanley Cups. That's pretty good. But I mean, you know, we're we're looking at this season for for the Oilers. I think first off, before we get into uh, you know season like predictions or um, any of that stuff, uh, the Oilers did make some moves over the off season. I don't think we should go too in depth into them because uh, most of the people here, I mean, we're three games into the season at this point. Um, and we right. will talk about those too, but I mean, they made some moves. Uh, so I guess <clears throat> we'll start. Um, what do you think was the biggest Oilers off season move? We'll I'd say we'll, we'll go from biggest to smallest. I I'd say probably I think picking up Turris was a big, big move. You know, 
adds a little depth in the center chart. Um, got him on a pretty cap friendly deal. So, you know, gives him a lot of room to outperform his uh, cap expectations. I'll say that. So, you know, he's always been a solid forward. No, no, nothing crazy, but, you know, puts up numbers and plays his position. So I think it, you know, it'll let him, he might be able to run the second power play, especially with having, you know, McDavid and Drysdale on the first one. Yeah, so, he's, he's never getting on the first. No, he's not cracking I mean, the first one. Here's, here's what I will say. Here's what I will say, actually. Just a quick tangent. Alex Chason is on the first power play unit, and I would like to make the argument that Chason shouldn't be there at all, and Turris could, I say, do a better job than Chason. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I, yeah, that makes sense. So I'm going to say probably Oilers' biggest offseason move at – Considering that Clefbaum has now been ruled out for the entire season, which is a, a huge loss. I mean, that was an, an off-season move, I guess, for the Oilers in general. I mean, they put him on LTIR and stuff like that. Shoulder issues. And I know you're a guy that had – who played hockey. Yeah. I, I, I was actually on the ice when you received a lot of your shoulder issues. So uh, Plenty of them. I mean, uh, shoulder issues are no joke. I mean, it's, you can you can attest certainly not that. fun to play with uh, – you know, I, when I, when I saw the injury come through, I was, I was looking more into it just to see, you know, what's the injury involving, what's going on. And I was like, Oh, shoulder. And it said, you know, it's been a lingering problem for a couple of years. So it makes sense that especially now he's kind of established himself. So you kind of understand the, you know, playing past few years, playing through it just to, you know, make your, make your name and say, listen, like if I take time off, my spot will still be here kind of deal. So, but I kind of understand that shoulder problems are, are just an absolute, just a tear on you. It, it's brutal. So, so that being said, then with Clefbaum now out, I'd say the Oilers then biggest move was probably Tyson Berry. I mean, they brought in, you know, yeah. I mean, they needed someone to, you know, get on that first power play as a defenseman. Uh, I am still sort of, I think it'd sort of be fun to see the five forward, uh, you know, potential, but right. I, I don't, I don't think they're there yet. Uh, and so with Clefbaum out, I think they bring in Barry. He'll be able to play on that first power play unit. And then uh, I think he'll also give decent minutes uh, as a third pairing at five on five, because he's not playing on the first two lines and cheap one year deal. And I think it's going to show, I mean, the defense is going to need all the help it can get because for um, the most part, the Oilers are a pretty young defensive core now. Right. Right. And he definitely has a, a good veteran aspect. He had a, a bit of an off year last year with the uh, Leafs. I don't know that that's necessarily. I'd like to his say fault. I would. I don't. Yeah, I, I was going to say, say like his fault. I, I don't I think, think he played great. In general. Yeah. Um, but you know, as you're saying, like you'd like to see the five man offense. Tyson Berry is essentially a forward that plays defense. Yeah. I mean, he adds a lot of offense. He's still, you know, solid. But I, I, nobody in the league is saying, "Hey, Tyson Berry is the best defensive defenseman." No, he's saying that. Well, the Oilers so, definitely, yeah, we definitely didn't get Barry to play defense. <laughs> right. So, I mean, and, and that's what he adds, you know, definitely a lot of offensive firepower from uh, the blue line. But certainly it's not an even trade off for Clefbaum. Not even close. So No, no, for sure. For sure. I mean, the Oilers also have a lot of um, defensive prospects in their in their system. They've been drafting pretty high um, in the in the draft with for defense um and so there which is a good thing you always need defense because you never know how many of those are gonna are gonna really uh pan out 
I mean, some of the other off-season moves the Oilers made this season, I, they brought Jesse Pugliarvi back, which I was super hyped for. Um, I, yep. To be honest, there was a period of time when it seemed like he was either he was out of the NHL for good. So right. I'm, I'm super excited to see him back. And uh, I kept a little bit of an eye on him in when he was overseas, and he seemed to play well. He's come back with uh, a little bit of fight. And he's looked – I'd say he's, he's had some jump in his step since uh, returning yeah. these last three yeah. games. No, I'd say I think definitely uh, his time overseas probably helped him out, you know, let him mature a little bit. I think I, I saw, you know, when he was playing over there, he was definitely the leading scorer on his team. So, you know, that'll give you a little e- ego boost, you know, get, you get to you wear the, there, feeling the cool confident. Gold, he had the cool golden helmet uh, yeah. that they do overseas. Exactly. Like, I just think that's that was so my cool. favorite. The yellow helmet with the flames or the gold one. Or the gold one. You, you, you know go. they're hot. They're on fire. Yeah. <laughs> so... I think I think he'll definitely come back with a little more. Uh, like it gave him some time to mature because I mean he's still uh, like what is he twenty two? So he's, he's still young. You know he's got plenty of time. It, I think I think it just needs a an extra second to settle into his shoes, find his role, and play it. You know. And then one of the big things that the Oilers were dealing with, I'd say, and one of the things that hurt them the most in the uh, playing round versus Chicago was their lack of depth scoring, right? I mean, McDavid yeah. and Dreisaitl are going are gonna to carry your load most of the nights. But on sure. the, night, the, the, the nights that they're not, you, they have to, the rest of the team has to pick them up. And so the Oilers did a bunch of little signings. I'd probably put Jesse Pugliarvi sort of in that category as well. Yeah. Feels a little different from an Oilers fan standpoint, because he was already an Oiler. But, I mean, they re-signed Kyle Turris after bringing him in at the trade deadline. I right. I love Turris as a depth forward. Like, he can play up and down your lineup. He's fast, and he's got sneaky good hands. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's one of those things that, you know, you kind of look at the guy, and you're like, oh, third line. And he's tiny. He's and tiny. And then he's like, whoop, bomb. Here's yeah. gone. Yep. And then uh, on that same, you know, thing of, of less size, but more speed and skill, they go and get uh, Dominic Cahoon, who will play a little bit higher up the lineup and uh, yep, is yep. childhood friends uh, with Leon Dreisaitl. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, add a little chemistry to, to the team. A little more. You know? And it uh, actually, played a good interesting, uh, fun fact about uh, Dreisaitl and Cahoon. One point when they played together when they were kids, uh, Cahoon outscored Dreisaitl. He put up like 230 points in, in one season. Yeah, they were uh, they were pretty good together when they were like 11. Yeah. Um, there's those, uh, there's uh, some, some team in Toronto too where there was like four or five superstars playing on the same like Peewee A team and they were just tearing it up. Those are always the funniest when you see those guys, you know, flashback to their, to their yeah, young days. I put up, you know, 250 points and, you know, 20 Not games. Big no big yeah. deal. <laughs> Not a big 36 game season, 500 points. <laughs> <laughs> Average like nine points a night. No problem. Yeah. yeah no big deal. <laughs> but I mean, so overall, I mean, and then also, I guess on the other thing, um, they also re-signed Mike Smith, which was my biggest um, disappointment. Uh, yeah. in, in the Oilers off season. But so we'll, we'll start there. Cause there's been, we've played some three games and you know, some people picked up injuries and stuff already. And some of the team has changed around a little bit, but just from an off season standpoint, what would you grade Ken Holland and the Oilers on the off season? Um, I'd say it's a, you know, there's, there's a couple of unforeseen things. Like, like you said, like the, you know, with cleft bomb getting hurt and, or well, cleft bomb t- deciding to do the surgery and whatnot. 
Uh, so there's a couple of unforeseen things that you can't really control. So with those in mind, I'd say it's probably, I'd give him a B, you know, if I, cause you made a couple of, a couple of conscious moves, you know, to add a little depth. It, it never did. He, he didn't really make any big blockbuster, huge moves, but you know, there was definitely a few guys getting signed, you know, a couple of resigns, bringing PRV back, you know, it's, he made conscious moves and got a lot of those guys for good deals. You know, nothing, no crazy money was being spent. So I'd give him a B on it. It's a a good. And when the off season was going, because the Mike Smith signing was really the last thing they did. They they picked up all the other positions and the Oilers were really in on Markstrom and then it didn't work. And so they went and they went and re-signed Smith. And I was ready to give Ken Holland like an, like an A if he had picked yeah, up, if, yeah. he, if he'd picked up a goalie, like if he picked up any other, not any, but if he picked up someone better than Smith, like yeah. I, I was going to be like a plus incredible off season. You know, he, he filled some points of need and he shored up our goaltending. Right. right. You resigned Smith. And I, I don't think I can give him higher than like a B plus. I, yeah. I think, I do think he should get some credit for the amount of um, cap work and just salary. Yeah. Like to keep everyone nice and low and either one to two year deals, like relatively low risk, low reward or potential high reward, even um, for some of them, like that bumps his grading up a little bit, but you know, but then at the end, it just, just, you know, a few years ago, I, I'd say Mike Smith, you you pick him up and it's like, sweet Mike Smith. You know, I, I always liked Mike Smith, you know, through his career. I, he played um, Arizona for, for a for, while. I mean, he played for the Lightning for a hot second. Um, you know, he's, I, I like the way he played. He was crazy. You know, he would, he would just go jump on things. <laughs> he'd, he'd be out past the circle throwing stuff. And I'm like, what are you doing? But he made it work. But now he's, you know, he's getting past his prime for sure. And it's like, and eh, I you got to really. My biggest issue with Mike Smith is that, like you said, he definitely plays a less he put a more unorthodox style of goaltending. Right. Uh, but like he, he, there's a lot of fluke goals. Like he'll lose the puck yeah. behind the net. Or I think back to even like, he just, for some reason, his whole career, like even in Arizona, when the puck went up in the air and fell in his pants yeah. and then he, yeah. backed, and then he just right, backed into, he the backed into yeah. it. Like that's hard to blame on him, but it just seems like he always gives up a couple just yeah. like why. And they're, they're always at bad moments too. Like I'm pretty right. sure that goal in Arizona that went in was the game winning goal. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. A couple times, um, uh, even in the play in round versus Chicago, like we had the lead and then he'd give the puck away and they'd score and right, you lose all your momentum from that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I will say he did give me one of my favorite Oilers memories of all time when he beat the absolute living breaks off of Cam Talbot in the Battle of Alberta. That was incredible. Oh, but that, that whole game puck, was just insane. Oh my goodness! From a puck stand stopping standpoint, suspect, suspect. Right. Sure. Well, and so like you were saying that you know the, the unorthodox style definitely lends him to some questionable goals that go in. So you know, and I said I like it. I like it from an entertainment standpoint. Watching hockey when he's in net is like, oh, what's going to happen? Oh, how's it going to go? But but if I'm Ken Holland, you know, I'm looking at it like day in, day out, consistency, Mike Smith is not your guy. 
Right. Yeah. And so so now we have to le- lean on Koskinen more. And I thought Koskinen was relatively good. Um, yeah. And, and my also had a lot of worry that Tippett, because Tippett is a big Mike Smith fan, right? Tippett's right. been with Mike Smith for a long time. I'm pretty sure yeah. he even had Smith in Dallas uh, way back when Tippett was early in coaching as well. So I, I was always worried that he was going to play Smith a lot more. So now, I guess, moving away from ripping on Mike Smith, uh, Mike Smith hasn't Love played you, a game, hasn't played a, a game for the Oilers this season and has now been placed on uh, LTIR. They haven't disclosed what the injury is. I don't right. think they, I don't think any team is going to this season. I think if someone gets hurt, it's just, Oh, they're unfit to play. And then they either yeah. are LTIR, or they come back. Um, and then in response to that, and this season is going to be a little different when it comes to uh, you know, stuff like that. And especially like here, because while there are, a couple different goalies the Oilers could have gone through. They're not all in Canada. And so even if right. Ben Holland were to pick up a goalie, like a lot of people I saw when they put Mike Smith on LTR, a lot of people were like, Jimmy Howard still needs a job. And like Jimmy Howard's a relatively serviceable, like I would say Jimmy right. Howard and Mike Smith are probably on par. Yeah. Um, but I would say Jimmy's or Jimmy Howard is uh, probably a little bit more consistent. A little more consistent. Yeah. yeah. So like, I was like, Ooh, that would be nice. But even if they were to do that and they did it for a good price, he'd have to sit and wait in quarantine for 14 days to Plus get them, you know, get move a visa there and, just, and, yeah. and all that stuff. So like, even if you wanted to get a goaltender, like he's not going to play for you uh, for a while for, for almost a whole month. And, yeah. Right, like that's well, and it, it's it's an undisclosed amount of time because with you know with the with all of the COVID stuff going on, it's it's ever changing. Mm-hmm. So you know, Canada and U.S. Well, both of them have you know laws that are just going in and out, and you know mandates here and there that are just changing every day. So um, you know, there's no telling what what could have happened if they were trying to pick up a, a goalie in America, but. So, I mean, overall. so then in response to that, Ken Holland, obviously we need a backup. Um, he signed then uh, Troy Grossnick, uh, yeah. who I'm going to be honest, never heard of before. That could have been a completely made up like NHL 20 <laughs> randomly generated character. <laughs> yes. And I would have just been like, uh-huh. Yep. That makes yeah. sense. That doesn't, I will say though, he does have three career games. And a 948 save percentage. So That's pretty good. That's pretty I, I looked into him a little bit. I looked into him a little bit. And he uh He is 31 though. Yeah, but but so even when he was playing in the A, it, he he averaged relatively good numbers. Even the, the past couple seasons, he pulled up looked at it earlier. Um he's playing, you know, half half, you know, almost 40, 46, 40, 45 games, and he's putting up Right here, it's a, uh, a 241 goals against and a 919 save percentage. At, at with that many games, that's that's not a bad. You know, I mean, that's 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 a pretty good stat line for a guy that age. I think you see though. This is sort of one of the big things that the Oilers really don't have a lot of backup plans or options in net this season. Yeah. Um, right, out, right. They they wanted to get a big. They wanted Markstrom in the off season. Right. They didn't. The Flames are bastards. Um, but they signed him for a lot of money for a long time. But that, that's a different story, right? Yeah. They, so they, they didn't get the goaltending. And, and so now it's like, I think Koskinen's a serviceable goaltender. I think he, he, I think he's pretty good. Um, a lot like, of people watching were, the last game, he played out of his mind. I mean, but I, Koskinen's I also struggles under a large workload, which is why we split it. And we also don't have like 
Smith went down and then we were like, oh no, our rookie goaltenders aren't ready for real backup duty. Like, I don't right. think, I don't think um, right now uh, our, our backup for the last game was Stuart Skinner. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't think he's played an NHL game. And then we just uh, recalled uh, Evan, uh, not Evan, Olivier Rodrigue from the Austrian league. And yeah. he was only drafted, I think, two seasons ago. So he's still very much a kid. I mean, you know, he's 20. So it, it, like, I was, like I was saying with Pooley Army, there's a lot of room to grow into those shoes. For sure. But, but, but like, that's, but like, that's, that's not, you can't no. use him as a backup, I would say, yeah. even. Um, no, I, I would agree. So I think that'll be interesting to see how that develops going forward, because I think Koskinen is good for now, but eventually you have to give him a couple nights rest. And yeah, what's going to happen in those nights? Is, and so now the, I think, I mean, question. that, I mean, that's a perfect segue then, right? So we've played three games into the season. All right. Yeah. With these new things, I should say that one caveat, it's not a huge caveat. Neil has been not played yet. He is still injured um uh, sounds I like saw, he's still uh maybe a week two weeks away right from coming back right. he's been skating but he's not going to be with the team for a little bit right i i think i saw when i was looking i thought he was uh on the covid list and then so finally he got off the covid list and started skating uh with the team on friday i believe so it'll be interesting to see when they start to uh put him in the lineup um, and that'll yeah. get chase on off the power play i'll tell you that yeah so, I mean, I think it'll definitely be a lot of help. So, you know, I, I was able to watch the entire game, the entire last game. Um, All right. Well, well. Uh, so we'll wait. We'll wait. Hang on. Yeah. We're gonna. We'll go. We'll go through this. So we start with game one. The Oilers are one and two now on the season right. so far. Uh, they've got two points out of a possible six. Uh, I am very displeased. I will say that from the beginning. First game one, uh, I watched all of it and was not happy because the Oilers have had a tradition uh, I'd say for the last like five years they play Vancouver game one the opener night is versus Vancouver or the Flames and you're the Oilers beat them just in spectacular fashion every night Connor McDavid goes supernova and it's a great time for everyone so I was looking yeah. forward to the season starting and to continue the tradition along of beating Vancouver on the opener and instead, what we got was just, I first, I'd say really sloppy hockey. It was just, yeah. you could tell that no one has actually played a full speed game versus opponents that don't care about you, um, right. you know, in, in a long time. Because the speed and just like, you can also tell they haven't played with each other in, in the yeah. wild. Um, you could tell that training camp's been super short. And I think you can see that from just the whole league, you know, yeah. like, people are missing passes there. There's a lot of, um, there's been a lot more, the Oilers gave up a lot of breakaways in this game just because, right. Like, and I'd say even a theme through the whole game is there's a lot of miscommunication just really all over the ice offensive zone. They're missing passes, defensive zone. They're missing assignments or breakout passes, neutral zones. They're missing some of the, you know, the, the connecting plays to get them actually into the zone, which has kind of been frustrating to watch. Um, and we were in it for a little bit, but like the Oilers, it just kept seeming, especially in that game one, the Oilers would, uh, you know, they'd get within one and then the Canucks would make it another two goal lead. And then they'd score another right. one and get within one and a two goal lead. And it was just, I was really frustrated with it. I'll yeah. It's just frustrating. 
I, I think that's a, I think that's a good word to use, especially the game one, like you were saying, it, I think you can kind of see it in the whole league. Everybody's just a little rusty, you know, it's, it's just kind of sloppy. Like there's nobody's really put together and, and you could see that on both sides, um, Edmonton and Vancouver in that first game, which is, it, it was like showing up to a beer league game and you're like, you guys, you guys a little drunk. You guys, <laughs> Well, it's like showing up to a beer league game and you've played with, you know, everyone's one had their beers before the game. You know, yeah. you've, you've played with like maybe five of the guys you picked up, like, you picked up with like four other subs. So you don't really know who you're playing with. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, my buddy from my buddy's in from like New York. He's going to come play today. Okay, <laughs> yeah. man. Then they, luckily though. So the cool thing about this season is it's going to be a lot of games in a very short amount of time. So they were able to right. bounce back that next day and it seemed like and also i'd say it seemed like they also didn't really they forgot that it was the season opener versus vancouver and so then they decided to actually you know continue the tradition of right of uh beating the brakes off of vancouver not on the season opener and Connor mcdavid went supernova uh with a hat trick about halfway through the second period his second goal <laughs> was just oh. just disgusting power play goal drops it back the drop pat the backhand saucer pass three feet in the air from the opposition's blue line back to your own blue line to a in-flight mcdavid from dry was just phenomenal i was watching the the post-game interviews and all of them were laughing because tyson barry was like i thought that was coming to me i tried to knock the puck down thank god i didn't yeah exactly well well that's one of those things it's just like when McDavid's on the ice, you kind of don't you kind of don't want to touch the puck because you're like, well, is he going to pick it up? Is he going to come get it? But and that was a big problem, actually. I'd see a lot of the time, and I, it just seems when McDavid's <laughs> on the ice, and and this is happening with Drysital now too. I've noticed after you know his huge season last season, um, right? And people are starting to see Drysital is one of the best in the league. That his line mates are like, okay, oh god, oh it. god, take it. Oh God, take yeah. it, you know, and there has to be a little bit of composure because the other team right. knows they have to cover McDavid and Drysidle. Right. And so they throw two makes, guys on them. Right. Exactly. And so what is going to free them up or make you more dangerous is not always deferring to Connor McDavid. And exactly. I don't know how you don't do that. Be Right. He's just has such a presence on the ice. Right. I, I, I how, mean, do, how do you play? How do you play through that? Like, how do you, not give it to the best player on the earth. Right. And I mean, it's, it's so easy just to be like, Hey man, you're good. You want it. And then it's, it's one of those things that, you know, you kind of got to play. I think, I think McDavid kind of got to take that one and, and talk to his line mates and be like, Hey, here's the deal to make me better. Let's make you better. And then, you know, not even make them like skill wise better. Just, just here's what you need to do. So instead of immediately catching it and giving it back, I mean, obviously there's a situation for the give and go, you know, but do something, go skate up a little skate wide, bring the puck wide, wait for me to come in, you know, and then, you know, move it around, set it up. I, I noticed in the couple of games, it was really hard to set up in the zone. And then once they set up in the zone, it was more of a, they're playing in the corners a lot. And it's, and it's like, okay, you know, I understand the little cycle, but they weren't playing in the corners by themselves. They were getting, beat to pucks and then they're scrambling to get pucks out of the corner and fighting for it hard. And I mean, you know, you can commend a good fight in the corner, but it can't be all game. 
you know, you got to find a way to get it to the point, move it around. You know, if it goes behind the net, cool, but make sure you have it in possession instead of always being a fight in the corner, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that game was an incredible turnaround. And I mean, yeah. so McDavid right now is right. They split up <clears throat> McDavid. You're trying to play them on two different lines. That's the way you're going to optimize the wealth. Exactly. Um, we know McDavid and Dreisaitl are disgusting together, right. um, but you have to spread it out. So right now McDavid's playing with Nugent Hopkins and Cassian and Dreisaitl is playing right. with Yamamoto and Cahoon. So far, I'd say the Cahoon, the Dreisaitl line has had better zone time and possession. I think Dreisaitl is just in general, just a more possession based player. Right. He right. likes, he likes, he, right. He invites the contact. He likes to shield the puck and really hold people off. And he likes to yeah. that cycle and then work from that. Whereas McDavid is pure speed and hands, right? Like most of his stuff is being able to do it super fat, faster than everyone. And right. think about it faster than you thought about it. And that's what makes, he, what makes McDavid amazing. Exactly. He just creates situations that you wouldn't think you're like, Oh, Oh, uh, and then it's done. And, the puck and, it's, back uh, and it's, you're like, it's at another like dude, you were literally just got on the ice. How is the puck in the net? But, um, so how do we you know, feel think, about, think, how do we feel about those, those lines though? Like, do we feel, do we feel like, um, cause I was even, even worried. Right. Cause then, then looking then to the next game, right. The Oilers explode. Right. Dry saddle has four assists. And McDavid has a hat trick and an assist in that one. Great game, great turnaround. Oilers Nation and Oilers fans take a deep breath and we're like, okay, Mm. maybe we have a chance. And then we go into the first game versus Montreal, uh, which uh, means there is eight left and there are eight games left versus Vancouver on the season left. And they lose 5-1. And so I was at work, I'll admit, I didn't watch this game live um, or at least from TV. Um, right. I'm really glad I didn't because um, that would have made me just unbelievably frustrated to watch. You, yeah. however, had the unfortunate job of actually watching this game live. I but, did. Uh, so the cool thing I was, guess, didn't have anything else to do. So what? So I guess uh, let's let's hear it. Uh, what what? How did you? What did you see in the game? It, so, like I had mentioned, um, it, it you can see that there's potential. You can see everybody's ready to play hockey there. They show up and there's a lot of energy on the ice. I think it's just poorly directed energy. So, so they're skating fast and they're skating hard and they're, you know, putting hits on and stuff, but, but it's not in the right areas. I, I think, I think there's a point where it's too much energy and you got to kind of slow it down and look, you know what I mean? Keep the energy there, but, but compose yourself a little bit, look for the next play you know, don't just look for the one guy, look for the two possible options, you know, make your best play instead of just always throwing the puck in low and chasing it. And then, like I said, getting into those corner battles again, where in, in all honesty, there was not a lot of, uh, there wasn't a great turnaround rate for uh, winning those in the corner. I think it was very chaotic. They just kind of played, there wasn't a lot of teamwork there. It, it was, it was kind of, it, it was more of a, Hey, let's, let's try to do this, you know, let, let McDavid do it again, like he did last night or, you know, or the the other night, but Mm -hmm. I think it was hard to watch because you could see they all wanted to play together and it just wasn't working. That being said, Carey Price did play out of his mind 
Um, so that and, was that was my follow up question. Is the so Oilers fans like we see Vancouver a lot. We play them right. a lot during the regular season, just anyway. So for the most part, Oilers fans know sort of the game and the players and what to expect when you play um, the uh, the Vancouver Canucks. The yeah, Oilers sure. only play Montreal twice, twice in a normal regular season. So now we have right. to play them nine times. The Oilers, I'd say, have a relatively decent record in recent years versus uh, the Canadians. Um, you said Price played unreal. And yeah, you know, when, mind. Yeah, when Carey Price is, is on, he's the best goalie in the yeah. world, in my opinion, still. When he's hot, um, he's hot. Like, so I, I get that is definitely a, a huge obstacle to overcome. Um, yeah. You know, the immovable force versus the, uh, the unstoppable force, the immovable object conundrum and all, and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, uh, Thomas Tatar also ate us alive um mm. that was a disgusting breakaway goal and yeah. like i said oh. there's just there's been so many breakaways just at, throughout the three games even in the five two win there were there were yeah. too, too many than you would like right and i think i think so a lot of that came off of so so the Oilers had a few power plays um in that in this past game the uh, the loss to montreal they had a few power plays and i think they they over pursued too hard. You know, they, they just assumed they were going to have possession and then it got a pass got interrupted or a shot got blocked or, um, you know, somebody got a stick in the lane and poof, they're off to the races. It's a three on one and you're on the power play. It's like, how, how are you coming back on a three on one on a power play? It's because they're pushing too hard. And I understand the, you know, the want to, it's a power play. Let's score. I get that. That's, I also that's think that stand. a little bit, um, the Oilers, had the best power play in the NHL in the last 40 years last season, right? They had a, uh, yeah. they had a historic run. They, it, it was like 29%. It was, it was crazy the amount of times. Yeah. And that was, that was a huge, that was one of the reasons why they did so well last season is you just cannot take penalties versus the Oilers because right. McDavid and Dreisaitl will kill you. But I think now at this season, they, they've gone into it with, um, I don't know, expectations for the power play and yeah. they almost like are too cute. Like, yeah. like they're, they're yep. like, they're looking for that extra pass um, or, or McDavid and Dreisaitl are looking to either do like the, like the big brain pass to each other, like cross seam, which is hard, yeah. really hard to make. Um, it also seems in my opinion, they haven't gotten fully used to or familiar with Barry yet. Yeah. So I think, I think that's another thing. Because Barry, um, you know, usually they have puff bomb on that, on that, you know, that first bomb unit. Is a lefty. And so normally a big problem with the power play last season, or I'd say not a big problem because it was so good, but it, yeah. one of the talking points of the power play last season was that the entire power play was lefties. And so the addition of cleft bomb was a big thing because they were like, okay, now we have a right-handed shot on the power play and but it seemed like a lot of times in all the games i watched and i'm assuming they did it again in this one barry's sidel up there and it's either make david or dry on that far right half boards and right. he's just sitting waiting for the one timer the the right just sitting waiting for it and they just refuse to give it they're to not him. giving it to him just, so, they don't give it to him so they gave it to him a little more this you know this, this past one but i think that was also a problem is because they're not used to throwing that pass to him. So, so I think that was also a bit of a, 
problem with the creation of the, of the breakaways is because they're throwing that not thinking the shot's going to come because they're given the pass. And obviously, you know, they see him wound up. They, they know the shot's coming, but they don't think about, oh, the shot's coming. If it gets blocked or, or bounces out, we're going to have to bust tail to get back. So I think that was definitely a problem. But I mean, he put a few good shots through the middle. Uh, I mean, Montreal did a great job, you know, just clogging the middle. And their decors is, is something to something to watch this year for sure. Montreal. I'd also say is, that they've um, they've put together a relatively solid defensive forward group as well. Um, right. Right. With I mean, Deneau is one of the best two way forwards in the game. Um, yep. Josh Anderson is a big power forward, so that's kind of nasty. Um, I'd yeah, say had... I mean, right Gallagher and Tatar even are sound exactly. defen- sound defensive players too. And, and I think that's where you know. Tatar had, a, had um, I don't remember, there was a, sh- a shorthanded goal. I don't remember if it was Tatar. I think it might have been Tatar who scored that shorthanded goal. But, but you know, with Tatar and Gallagher, they, they just kind of get off to the races. So, so they're sound defensively and then poof, they're gone. You know, they have a lot of speed with them too. So it, it's just, it was tough because Montreal looked like they were put together and Edmonton still looked like there was uh, – a couple puzzle pieces flipped over on the table that you couldn't find. So now they pl- they they played three games. So now, right, this is a 56, 53 game se- uh, season. 56. 56. 56. Okay, so yeah. there's 53 games left, and it's it's all versus the same, same like, six opponents. Six teams, yeah. Right? So I get, I get worried with every loss a little bit more than I think I would normally because especially here, I'm like, okay, we're one and two. But really, we are one and one versus Vancouver, and now we're zero and one versus Montreal. So you have right. to start making up those deficits versus those teams if you want, right? You have to you have to be right. even even or above five hundred uh-huh. in right. every se- series, series with, yeah. with the team you're playing, and we're in a we're now sub five hundred versus the two series we've even played or. So you're even on you're even on Vancouver, but sub on the uh, yeah on yeah. Montreal. So we're one so one with Vancouver, and then we're zero and one with Montreal. And I'm I'm trying I try really hard not to panic because I feel like Oilers fans just in general have a really bad habit of just overreacting. Sure. And yeah. and so I I trying really hard not to. But like, what is the team like? Obviously, like I don't know. Like, what changes would 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 you make to improve the team? So, I mean, and they've got Montreal tomorrow. I guess at the time that the people will be listening to this episode, uh, the game will have either already been played or they'll be listening to it brand new before the game played. Um, right, right. So they, they take so, on Montreal here relatively soon. Um, so, like, what do they have to do to so think, not get, you know, embarrassed again? I, I think in an immediate sense, they, you know, like I said, I think they just got to slow the game down a little. You know, take take your take your – don't try to make – Every time you get the puck, don't try to be a hero. Do your job. You know what I mean? So I think, so I think, you know, obviously, McDavid and Drysaddle, that's kind of their job is to be the hero. And I understand that. But I think the surrounding, the surrounding team has to slow it down and look at themselves and be like, hey, what is my job this shift? You know, break it down shift by shift. Is, uh, you know, did I jump on and now we're in the D zone? So my job this shift is to get the puck out and, and retain possession. You know, instead of instead of thinking every time you get on the ice, I have to score. You know, it's nice when you score, and and obviously that's the whole point of the game is score more goals than the other guy. But 
you got to break it down shift by shift when it's chaotic like that. You got to take it, you know, every time you get on the ice, you have to have a goal. You know, if it's your power play, your goal is to score. But if it's, you know, I'm getting on and I'm a third line guy, my job is to wear down the, the opponent, right? Wear, wear them down on the other side. You know, if we get the opportunity to score, perfect. Put the puck in the net. But, you know, wear them down. Keep the possession in the zone. You know, move it around. Get, get familiar with everybody. I, I think, I, think there, I wouldn't say I'd panic yet. Because there's, you know, still plenty of plenty of hockey to play. A lot of hockey. Um, a lot of hockey left. That's my favorite thing. A lot of <laughs> hockey left. Um, so there's plenty of hockey left. I think. I think once they settle in, it'll be a little better. But I, I think the main immediate thing that needs to happen is everybody's got to slow it down a little bit. You know, keep the energy there, but look for better opportunities. And so now looking ahead, all right, I, like I said, they're taking on, they're taking on Montreal here uh, on Monday, and then they take on uh, Toronto twice this week here. Um, we'll have an episode coming out here uh, midweek now, uh, now that we've sort of uh, smoothed out some of the technical difficulties we were having here at the beginning of the season. We'll have an episode here midweek, but uh, midweek they will have started to take on Toronto this week. So I'm expecting uh, hopefully a, a lot better of a bounce back game. I don't work tomorrow, so I'll be able to watch hopefully an Oilers win versus Montreal and we can, you know, hit 500 at least on all our series so far. Right. Um, the Toronto game is interesting, right? Cause I've seen, right. They've played two games so far. They won one versus Ottawa last night right. and then they lost their season opener to Ottawa as well. Um, Ottawa I'd say has a relatively improved team and Toronto I'd True. say actually made some decent moves this season I, I as agree. well but I, I don't know Toronto just is is interesting because they're in their own heads sometimes or there's just some weirdness yeah. around Toronto I just never know what Toronto team to expect well and I think so like we were talking about earlier with you know Tyson Berry coming over and we we're like well he had an off year but it wasn't really his fault because the whole team was kind of just a cluster well right? and, like, the, the whole, just, and all the bad you know stuff yeah, at the, the whole, the the whole the entire that's it, the entire organization was just kind of like a. Ah, that's um, just Toronto though. In a well, yeah, but so I think they have a you know, as usual, they have a ton of offensive firepower. It's just will they be able to use it? And you know, I think I think the Oilers definitely match their speed. You know, so so going into that game, I, I I'm not you know worried about Matthews and Marner and uh, you know Nylander blowing by guys that's not really you know especially when Connor's on the ice nobody's faster than them that's not that's not how it works so I think I think once you stay with them you just gotta you know, shut down their main guys because I I think they also have the same a similar issue they as we had last season you know, they don't have a ton of depth scoring they don't you know there's not there's not a, a lot of proven fourth line guys are gonna score on Toronto it's you're looking at Matthews and Marner and you know Nylander and then so now with the addition of um Jumbo Gel you know will they add a little grit is that is that there are they going to try to you know do what the Lightning did last season and throw a couple guys that throw a couple big guys that like to hit and and round out the team and then I think for the from an Oilers standpoint they're gonna have to watch those top guys and and just stay consistent you know, third and fourth line has to stay consistent with their third and fourth line and, you know, maybe take their opportunities. So 
which Toronto Maple Leafs player's soul will McDavid snatch in this game? Because uh, if you'll remember the last time uh, the Oilers played the Leafs, uh, Morgan Riley was um, yeah. banished from this plane of existence. Yeah, uh, I think I think so. I'll tell you what, I think it's definitely not going to be Morgan Riley because I think he looked at that one. <laughs> he's never going to let that happen I'm, again. I'm pretty sure every time he has a nightmare, that's what it is. I think he's pretty much like, yeah, no, not going to happen. If I take if I take six penalties this game, making McDavid not make me look stupid, I'm okay. McDavid's going to hop on the ice. He's just going to immediately, oh, line change. Yeah, oh, I got to get off the ice, actually. <sighs> oh, um, oof, that was hard. Tired. Yeah. Like, uh, I think maybe, you know, I, I saw um, Joe. I'm saying, I'm saying TJ Brody. TJ Brody. Yeah, that's, that's I'm playing. That's my prediction. I, I think he. I think he buzzes by Jumbo Joe in some weird way. Just to just to just to give a little, you know, a nice little finger. Listen here, old man. You know, <laughs> mind you, I love Jumbo, but he's just gonna go. Nyom. I I uh, want to do. I guess so. We uh, we talked about three games on this episode. Um, looking at look, looking at those games. Uh, I guess all together, what, how would we grade the Oilers so far? So far, uh, you're lucky you get a C minus on those games. I mean, I mean, the, the, it, so it the, 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 the five, honest, the five, two game, right. Obviously brings the really, curve really up. bumps it up, right? Like that's your, that's your, your leveling point there. But I think the first game, like you said, they came out slow and sloppy. Uh, and then this past game, as you mentioned, bit of a dumpster fire. I think there's a lot of room for improvement. <laughs> all right, all right. In my best teacher voice. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I mean, I mean, I've run out of run out of my bullet points here, uh, buddy. You got anything else? Um, and any really. any any around the league news? Um, Shout out to Tim Stutzla big. for scoring an absolute beauty for his first NHL goal. Yeah. I mean, it's always nice to watch a guy score one, score a gross one for the first, or in Austin Matthews' case, four. But you know, it, it's it's cool to see you know those those guys are starting to get into it, and you know you look at you look at the young guys that are coming in. So like, I'm excited to see what um, uh, Lafreniere does in New York. I'm excited to see if maybe that that'll show up. That 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 should be an exciting group. It'll be an interesting year, that's for sure. It'll be. I think a lot of new rivalries will have uh, arisen. Yeah, dude, the, the of, uh, playing everyone that many times is going to be interesting because you got to think by like game four, game five, you're just going to you know which guy you're seeing oh, yeah. that guy. And then the thing is, is like you're playing, you're not just playing like a new team every day, right? You're playing potentially the same team twice, three times um, right. in a row. So like, Right. You saw one dude that, he was kind of yeah. just, he was chirping you all last game, but, and then you show up the next day and it's the same dude on the bench chirping you he, again. Yeah. Like he's still going at you. Like after a while, that's going to, so, someone's so going to snap. A, if you pull a Patty Maroon and throw a puck into the bench, it is what it is. You know, <laughs> I'm sure we'll see a lot of that. And so, uh, you know, as much as the league has been trying to die the fighting down a little bit, which is much to my dismay, that's uh definitely a, a big impact of the game but i think this year it, it'll definitely be up the fighting percentage will be higher guys that you wouldn't see fighting normally are going to start throwing hands because they're you know instead of it being a role job it'll be a listen here man uh you're an asshole i'm gonna beat the wheels off you. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Considering this is an Oilers centric podcast and right. this is the first episode, uh, I guess we should do some predictions. I guess uh, I got just so so you know one of us has bragging rights here at the end of the season, or we both yeah. can look dumb. So I'll say I'll say this: Oilers playoffs, yes or no? Yes, I think yes. You're saying yes. I, I mean, I'm also gonna say yes. Yeah, I I think you know looking around the you know, that division, what they're running is the playoffs they're running top four teams, each division get, get playoff berths, right? I think that's how, it, that's how it's working. Uh, right? I think it's top, top four, four teams and then they play each other. And then it's the, the right. winner of each division then plays. And no, no, I think it's, I think the, I think they said that it was supposed to be top four teams. And then, so like those, the, uh, you know, one in four, and two and three play their first series. That's the first series of that. And then they move on. So then they're still playing as technically intra-divisional into the next round. So I think it's top four teams each. I'll have to look into it. They play each like interdivision playoffs. Right, right, right. And then the the winner of those series then plays the winner of each other. Uh, Yeah. For the crown of their division in the playoffs. Yeah, okay. And then the top four from each division play each other for the that'd be the quarterfinals yeah the quarterfinals and then no no that'd be the semis semis. yeah because because you get what what i guess it's uh what is it the west and the north and then the the east and the central i don't don't know how they're gonna do it but uh yeah those those and then they play each other and then the uh, the winners of those (laughs) that's it that's well yeah and then you got the stanley cup final i mean it's gonna be an gonna be an interesting season it's gonna be an interesting season so we say oilers playoffs yes all right yeah. so now biggest this doesn't have to be an oilers oilers uh thing but biggest right. surprise to the season like something give me something you think could happen something you see happening i mean i don't know i didn't really I have hard hitting, hard hitting questions. There I know about, I'm so going, like, I'm going off script a little bit. You know, I didn't give you time. To- um, no, I think, I think with with the shortened season, um, I think you're going to see teams show up that you wouldn't expect. You know, what I mean, I think I think you might see a couple of teams that you'd be like, no shot, and then they just show up and they're like, <laughs> big middle finger to you because guess what? Any any of those teams uh, you want to say might do it, like any 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 maybe bottom feeder teams you think might might uh might sneak in. In true uh, in true Biz Nasty fashion, I I wouldn't be completely surprised if Arizona popped off this year. I uh, I, I, I actually a bit of a wagon. I, I I like that. I actually that's a that's that's a that's a. I, here's the thing though, because I felt the same way about Arizona last season as well. Right, I I thought they were going to do great, and and they, honestly, it was it was a, I'd say it was a pretty good improvement from from previous years. Last year was, and so even though they lose Hall, I think they still, I think they still show up. You know, I think I think those guys that had time to mature and play with you know some some real star power are like, hey, we get it, and now they're going to start playing. Good hockey, I think. In my eyes, I think Ottawa's gonna do it. You got that much faith in Stutzel? 
I don't, not just Stutzel, man. I think like, well, yeah, like yeah. Matt Murray, I think is an incredible improvement over whoever the hell they had in net and Craig. I Anderson. think it was still Craig Anderson. Yeah, but. Like Matt Murray is, is a much better goalie than right. that. I, right. Got I mean, a couple cups. Uh, who they, who else did they bring in? I mean, uh, Broussard, I think they did as well. Um, um, I think they have, did I, did I see, uh, is Stefan playing for them? That's who it is. It's not Broussard. It's, it's, it's Stefan. It's not Broussard. Broussard yeah. plays for Arizona. Arizona not, still. Yeah. That's right. Well, that's which right. is funny because I think a few years ago, they both played for New York. Yes. They both uh-huh. played for the Rangers. So, uh, yeah, I think it's Stefan, which um, I always like the way Stefan played hockey. Um, you know, nose to the grindstone kind of guy. But I think, yeah, so Stefan and, you know, Kachuk, uh, Weasel. He, he, he's gotten – Listen, that is one of the, again, the Oilers, I might hate all of the Kachucks after this season because the Oilers play them so many times. Right. So far, I don't mind Brady. Matthew, right. I cannot stand. I will wish just horrible he plays, things He him. plays like a scumbag. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, both of them play very uh, – you, Well, you got to remember, right, like that, that's their family line. Oh, yeah. Though, right? Like oh, yeah. they were born into that. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure they're playing, uh, you know, Timbits, Mighty Mighty Hockey, and and their dad's like, "Go take that guy's knees." What? <laughs> no, go take that guy's knees. He scored twice already. Go take him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, Keith Kachuk taught them all at like the the early like Mighty Ducks. Uh, Gordon Bombay. He's like, "Take the fall. Get indignant." <laughs> yeah, I love it. There's. I, it's it's definitely kind of cool. Uh, as much as. If you're not a fan of their teams, you hate them. Uh, I think it is definitely kind of cool to see. They have a weird combination of grind and skill. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, well, like they, they grew up like in, the, in the skill. skill era, which is now. But, yeah, but, but they, they still have that bloodline. And they have the, the body type to play that grind style. It is, yeah. it is a, a very neat, because I wouldn't call, I'd say Brady is definitely closer to a power forward. Um, just because right. he's the bigger of the two. But like they both play, like even even Matthew plays that sort of right. Power even, even though he's of... yeah, doesn't have quite the size or or the you know the stature for it. I think I think he definitely he definitely likes to play a little. Uh, he's got some. He likes to get to chippy. I, I don't know. I don't know that either. I would say either of them are dirty, like completely dirty. You know, they're not um, taking. But you you got to remember this is an Oilers podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know, but you know what I mean. I, I think I think they make things a lot. I think they make things very chippy. So I, I think I definitely think I would agree. Matthew definitely dirtier than Brady, uh, but give Brady a few years, I think he'll get there. I just I I love that picture of, and this is my last thing about the Kachuk, and we'll wrap up here. That picture of of Brady Kachuk when he's on the bench and he, they're screwing in the helmet, and he just that the look on his face is so bland. <laughs> like it looks yeah. like he's repairing a robot. Yeah, he's like. Okay, ready to go. <laughs> like a Terminator. All right, buddy. Well, I mean, we've, we've got some predictions here. Uh, and uh, I'm hopefully looking forward to uh, our playoff predictions coming true. And, uh, yeah, I mean, big big week ahead here for the Oilers. Hopefully they can turn things around here versus uh, the Canadians and uh, Toronto. A lot of East Coast teams here. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm excited. And uh, our next episode for everyone will come out um, on 
Thursday, Thursday. Uh, yeah, Thursday, which which yeah. is when the, the next episode will come out, and then it'll be a it'll be a biweekly podcast. You can also follow uh, the Rig Rats um, here on Twitter at the Rig underscore Rats podcast on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow me personally on Twitter at the Farley. And Kyle, where can they find you? Uh, I'm not a big Twitter guy, but I do the Instagrams. All right, I mean, plug your Instagram, dog. You can you can uh, you can follow me. Friarmoot99, real long last name. Good luck so, spelling that, everyone. Good luck spelling it, but if you can find it, shoot me, shoot me a follow. <laughs> All righty. You can also follow uh, the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet on the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter. Um, we're going to be doing a really cool um, jersey bracket challenge giveaway um, where uh, you can enter in, uh, um, and that'll be on the Twitter for a potential chance to win um, – whichever jersey wins the bracket challenge and then the winners then will be then uh randomized and so you could potentially win uh, which is really cool um and then also uh if you guys want i mean you heard the draft kings ad at the beginning of the episode uh, we're really excited to be partnering with them um i've gotten really big into sports betting recently so i'm looking forward to um you know getting into that and uh, using draft kings myself and uh so I, I definitely suggest you guys do that and check out and make sure to use the promo code thpn on the draft kings uh, website for a little bit of a discount there as well uh, and uh that is gonna do it for this episode so uh kyle uh, i'm looking forward uh to uh, the Rig Rats podcast uh, yeah. taking off. And I guess this is where we'd smash the bottle against the, the bottom of the, of the ship and the out, boat, yeah. out to see we go. There it is. I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I'm prepared for a, for a good season here. We'll, All right. uh, we'll see well, how then, we progress. Uh, everyone, we will uh, see you guys in the next episode. And uh, let's go Oilers. Let's go Oilers. What is up, everybody? Mikey CLT here from Bar Down Breakdown, letting you know that our 100th episode is going to be dropping exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network on January 27th. We will be joined by special guest Derek from the amazing pop punk band State Champs. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on all our socials so you do not miss any of our amazing episodes we are so pumped that we have made it to episode 100 and to thank you we are running an instagram contest where one lucky winner can win a steez brand snapback hat so head over to our instagram and enter our contest also if you are just hearing about bar down breakdown make sure you go and check out our 99 other episodes where we have had artists who have been nominated for grammys all the way down to artists who are unsigned, where we dive into the crossover between alternative music and hockey. So make sure you go and check out Bar Down Breakdown wherever you listen to podcasts, brought to you exclusively by the Hockey Podcast Network. <laughs>